Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Well, good evening, Mr. Lavender. How are we doing? Uh, good evening. Yes, very good. Yourself? We're here. Wow, what's We're happening? We're doing a podcast. <laughs> Finally, I know. It's taken us long enough. It has taken us long enough. Yeah, so, why did we start this again? Why did we start this again? I don't know, because we've been talking shit about music for years, so why not talk shit? Why not add to yeah. the list of, of white guys doing podcasts about music and... Uh, 30-somethings doing podcasts especially. <laughs> exactly, and just uh, just throw our fucking soiled rag in the ring and see what sticks. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I mean, we've all been in enough bands. We've been in uh, the local scene, talked about music at many a party. There's always been a new album. And I think uh, coming into our mid-30s, married life, it's uh, something to definitely talk about on our on our spare time and, and still reminisce about i suppose so i like to think of this as a, a good reminiscing yeah we're not on stage anymore so let's just revisit the glory days glory days the glory days with denim jayskit denim jayskit yeah. dreams mate there you go okay cool so yeah we we uh we, we met in edinburgh if this yeah. is a little background, I suppose, for, for, for our first podcast, we'll give people some context. If, if anyone ever listens to this in a thousand years as to who the fuck are these idiots. We met in Edinburgh, like you said, in the music scene. I yeah. don't know when we met in Edinburgh. It's been... I'll say mid-2000s, there must have been a coming together of, of various things. I moved yes. up to Edinburgh from, from the northeast of England and found a thriving scene on all the music I'd been listening to for the last maybe five or six years prior and discovered a lot of like-minded individuals like yourself, Keith. Yeah, the Edinburgh scene was fucking wild. I'm sure it's gone through its stages and everyone has its, like, you know, it's 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 years of when the scene was great. Um, you know, I'm originally from a place called Livingston, which is just outside Edinburgh, and we had the living music scene and, you know, at the same time, that was like at its peak. Um, although I'm sure people will from Livingston will, will disagree with me and say that say that it was, you know, whatever predated the the 2000s or whatever. But um, yeah, when when we were in bands, there was there was there was gigs being played and 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 people were were going to them as opposed to I don't know what fucking goes on these days. Well, obviously nothing because we're coming out of a fucking pandemic. But even before then, I can't remember the last time I was at a local show. When when was the last time you were? I can't even remember what my last show was. My last show was an absolute banger. It was Slipknot and Behemoth in January 2020 with yourself. Um, I don't count the Brit Awards as a gig. Um, <laughs> you went to the Brit Awards? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's so te- technically the last live show I ever saw in February 2020. And and how was, did you get to the Brit Awards? It was a, a I won it. I won a competition. All right. At so work. at work. Uh, well, I didn't okay. even win it. I didn't enter it. I just got told you go in. Uh, these, I mean, the Brit Awards. So my last, my last live show was the likes of 
Lewis Capaldi, Harry Styles. Nothing wrong with a wee bit of Lewis. And then West Lothian boy. And then the worst performance I've ever seen from Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood. Absolutely mm-hmm. half their cake. Having, having the worst time. But I mean, yeah, crooners. Crooners could be crooners. When was your last local show, though? I mean, <sighs> Slipknot and Behemoth at the SECC Hydro does not... SECC? CC Senior Hydro. C Senior Hydro. Doesn't count. Like, I can't remember the last time I, you know, went to Bannerman's or Subway or, you know, Henry Cellar Bar in Edinburgh and, and saw a local band because it's been fucking years. I don't even know anyone in a band anymore, I don't think. It's been too long. It has been too long. And, it, it, and, and I think looking at our schedules, looking at what is possible these days, I, I do think, like, how did we manage to do all the practicing and taking like weeks or day or you know days out of your schedule to tour and things like how how did we do it in our 20s with fuck all money and zero petrol in the car like i don't know about you but i was pretty baked through it most of it so i probably didn't even really know what i was doing (laughs) i'm probably just gonna be like all right cool that's uh we we got a show tonight great good times but Um, definitely Definitely one of the albums, and it's one of the reasons that I've, I've picked a, as this as a starting point. It, I think one of the first albums that really, really got me into heavy music back in the year 2000 or 2001 would have been Hybrid Theory. And I think it's safe to say that this might have been, If I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but it certainly was yours as well, Keith, would you say? Oh, yeah, this, is, this was my gateway drug. Like, absolutely. So, like... We're going to go on and talk about hybrid theory, but like this is maybe, maybe I'll just clarify. This is the idea of the podcast for us, isn't it? Is to sort of go back and revisit the sort of the music we, we, we found and loved growing up. You know, what did we listen to as teenagers? What, you know, we're, we're both 35. What did we listen to 20, 20 years ago? You know, yeah. you know, when we were kids, 20 years ago was Metallica first coming out. So, like, when, now you know what are the 20 year olds listening to these days that you know today that's going to be 20 years from now and and etc so that's that's what we're doing here and you're kicking us off with hybrid theory and yeah get gateway into metal or or alternative heavier rocky music like this this album is and still stands to me as fucking outstanding and going back over listening to it these last this last couple of weeks has been really 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 lovely actually and it it does hold up surprisingly well um and before anyone starts like dismissing that i really encourage you to go and listen to it it is one of those albums that i I think i said it before in another conversation with keith that it is it defined a genre but not only that the it's just one of those albums that to me now 20 years later sounds almost timeless while still being very much grounded in its time um through the the um production choices and and uh songwriting choices that they made throughout yeah you make a really good point like it is it is 100 percent a product of its time it is new metal like at its core it's you know basic no basic perhaps an insult but you know i'm thinking like one fingery chim to chim riffs and stuff like that nothing's particularly you know you're everything's in four four nothing's really like 
throwing it out there or throwing you any curveballs. It's pretty safe stuff, but fucking hell, it gets my pulse going like every time I turn it on. Like as soon as paper cut hits, it's like that that little <laughs> drum sample, like that. Like I am just like. I'm fucking in this like here 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 we go like i'm just winding up the fists and <laughs> then my back goes out and i'm like oh fuck oh the song's still going you know oh it's it's 37 minutes of just sing-along glory i feel um i'm gonna be belting out my sing-along terrible vocal cords and, rap and rapping and rapping along as well and that's probably one of its its absolute endearing factors is how well it bridged that gap for me um certainly when i was first introduced to hybrid theory i think i would have been listening to the likes of eminem um dr dre's 2001 had possibly come out it would have been around this time so it, it I think was that came out in 2001 no way really it How, might have done. Did, did something give that away but it was, still it was it was his return to music wasn't it in 2001 it, 2001 but that time was definitely a time of a lot of hip-hop rap and this then came along with a a twist on it, I suppose, um, and and one that worked for the the, the best part of it. And yeah, it, it ended up being that gateway drug, as you called it, the the way in. And once that door gets opened, you really do release an a, an awful lot of history. And now, what what I would say, a lot of things that would probably define me as a person. Um, is my my like of music and uh, heavy metal is is still and listening to new music and listening to something that really pushes boundaries is still something I I, I take a daily enjoyment out of and I feel like Hybrid Theory coming out while we were fifteen ish was really important in that we had something to call our own no longer listening to your dad's records or or listening to the the records that have previous generations this was yeah our generation's you know sound like if that this 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 isn't your big brother's album is it this is your album like yeah yeah like oh i mean a lot to go there like yeah stuff like um what i was thinking of there and you were talking about like the whole rap and and stuff like over the years like a lot of people have sort of actually hit back at like the new metal sound and like prime merrily bands like Limp Bizkit and Fred Durst for for sort of rap rock and stuff like that and then maybe even a little bit of corn and yeah and other bands do rap rock and stuff like that for some reason um oh shit what's the band called that Machine Head tried it with an album and it didn't go down so well if I remember right yeah everyone tried it but I was also thinking you said Machine Head I was thinking of Not Slipknot which is Mushroom Head like they did a little bit of it as well like that Solitaire Unraveling song is is actually a jam but like a lot of people, you know, as sort of new metal pacified and, and, and the heavier stuff and whatever went on and maybe it was not new metal, it was um, metal core and stuff like that started to take over. I, I don't think Linkin Park were ever in the firing line for that. I don't think anyone ever really sort of criticised Mike Shinoda and, and, and the band for like having that combination of like rap rock, rap metal stuff because as much as Mike is there and raps prolifically on the album, he's right beside maybe one of the best vocalists of at least our generation of, of the noughties, like Chester Bennington. He's just amazing. Yeah. I fucking love, love the guy. Loved the guy. 
Don't don't talk to me about the yeah. suicide. We'll, it, it, we'll, it breaks we'll, my heart to to this day. I think we'll we'll come to that. I'm going to go over a, a quick history of of Lincoln Park because they, as much as in our life, in our experience, when we were 15 years old, it probably came out of nowhere. This massive band, you know, videos on MTV Two and and Kerrang, and then you know we didn't see very very unlikely that we would have seen that coming up in in our little neighborhoods um, and whatever. So really, that as with any band, they they do start in demos and recording and the recording of, of what you hear today in, in hybrid theory can be traced back as far as 1996 with Mike Shinoda and guitarist Brad Delson, uh, as well as Rob Burden. But importantly at that point, they didn't have Chester and the vocals were done by another, another guy called Mark Wakefield. Um, and I know that today, just today, both me and Keith listened to the original, demos uh, which are now available as part of the 20 year anniversary of hybrid theory release that came out last october um it was interesting listening to the zero demos so they were called zero sorry probably should have mentioned that um and it was through zero that they really started pushing for their first kind of music publishing contract um so the zero demos is what seven or eight tracks i think um you can have a listen to a lot of what you hear on that demo is being reused on hybrid theory. A lot of memorable riffs and um, guitar lines and stuff that, that do get reimagined or repurposed. But Keith, tell me what were your thoughts on the, the zero tracks? If was there anything stand out for you? Yeah, I listened to four and a half, at least four and a half hours of Linkin Park today. Um, I am, um, I, I, there's no other way around it I spent four hours washing my car <laughs> alright I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to washing cars I, I like it, I'm not a petrol head but I do like to have a clean car and uh, I needed to spend four and a half hours at least cleaning my car today so we're did, really selling but, this 30 something thing aren't we <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it you know, but um, I um, that gave me four and a half hours to listen to the four and a half hour 20th anniversary edition of hybrid theory and fucking hell i have i i claim to be a big lincoln park fan and and actually i'm a really big fan of sort of what followed hybrid theory and like meteor is good and 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 it has its place but then you know they really started to diversify and sort of every album came out different and like i'm a massive fan of some of their later stuff um so i hadn't really gone backwards before hybrid theory um maybe because the stuff wasn't available or I just hadn't looked. I, I don't really know. But, um, yeah, fucking hell. You hear, like, a lot of the same stuff and that you can see, like, I don't know if I was, if all bands do this or, or how much of aware of it I was that, like, there's maybe, like, four or five versions of these songs before they actually made it to what was Hybrid Theory. And I didn't catch the name of the, the, the original vocalist, but, like, like holy shit, it's night and day between him and Chester. Like I don't, I don't mean to diss that guy. I'm not a vocalist. I'm not like trying to talk shit about him. But they're, you can see why they went with Chester. Like has an entirely new element to the song, completely different dynamic. Yeah, I was, I was really surprised to to, to hear how much of the stuff had been reused, not reused, but reworked into what became Hybrid Theory. 
Yeah. So the 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 guitarist Brad, um, he was an intern working for uh, working with a, a guy named Jeff Blue, um, who was a music publisher um, with a company called Zomba. Um, so he was he was the vice president of um, A&R, artist and repertoire, and essentially responsible for finding new acts. Now Jeff himself is quite quite notorious uh as he can be credited as discovering some of the biggest acts from new metal so you've got limp biscuit you've got corn he could put his name to to breaking those bands effectively um jesus it was brad that walked into his office one day and saw these posters on the wall and it's like what have you got to do with this and he's like oh i i discovered them and it's at that point that Brad, with balls of steel, just said, by the way, I'm in a band too. And Question, yeah. was Brad wearing headphones? Brad was likely wearing his headphones at the time, looking backwards every so often. Yeah, Classic Brad, what a guy. Off to the side, just a little, just a little. Mm, <laughs> looking back side. while he did it, totally. I may have taken the piss out of that at school as well. <laughs> yeah, so, he, uh, so anyway, after... after Brad, with his balls of steel, introduced them and gave him a demo. Uh, Jeff went to see Zero, as they were called at the time, perform. And that was without Chester. Without this is still without Chester at this point. And uh, he signed them on the spot, effectively, on a on a development contract, which I have never been signed to a label of of that degree. But as I understand it, is it it's a contract that while you don't agree to release albums, you agree that, you know, you will, you will grow. And when you do come to sign a contract, you get like first dibs effectively. Um, first dibs on what? Well, they, they, that, that recording company, this Zomba would get some kind of royalty uh, of some kind to pass you on to something bigger. Um, All right, okay. Which we'll come to. So fast forward two years, by this point, progress wasn't, going as well as hoped. Um so Mark left the original vocalist. You can you can kinda hear that. Like the their sound isn't there. It's you know, generic. On the, on the air um, and stuff. I mean there's 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 hooks. Like some I think um like the like the in in the end piano riff is there and like they've got something about high voltage. I don't know what. I I, I don't know if it's gonna come up later, but like the the term or the the concept or like whatever this hook of high voltage, like because I knew of high voltage. I'm sure there was was there like a sort of bonus track about it or something it, like that. It was a bonus track of Hybrid Theory. I didn't know of effectively the first time of high voltage until it was the reanimation release. Um, but yeah, there's it came off as as um, a rarity because it was used on imports for various regions around the world and re re releases. The themes are there. Yeah, or some of the themes are there in in the early stuff, but yeah, very, very garage bandy, very early iterations. You know, you can see where they sort of, obviously, un, under this development contract, had like the sort of time to develop their sound, and I'm, I'm yeah. sure Chester was a big influence on that as well. So Chester turned up when, um, so that Jeff Blue. His one of his uh, clients, oh, 
an attorney of his was friends with Chester Bennington. Now, Chester was already in a band out in Phoenix, Arizona, and they were apparently quite a sizable band for the area, for a local band called Grey Days. Um, I could best describe them from what I've limited, I've been able to find from them as sort of a Stone Temple Pilots-esque sort of newer, late grunge era band. Um, kind of had, I didn't like. I didn't really. I don't know why it came to me today, but I mean, I was four and a half hours into Lincoln Park today, so like Chester was like very much in my sort of at the forefront of my my thoughts as well. And like I am, um, I just maybe for the first time, I don't know. Maybe this has came up before, but like I just started to like draw connections between him and ah oh, fuck me, the grunge band. You like them. You've mentioned them before. The vocalist also killed himself. Had sort of bleached blonde hair. Lane Staley. Alison Chains. Thank you. I might say something like Stone Chair, but like, yeah, Alison Chains. What, sorry, what's his name? Blade? L- Lane Staley. Lane Staley. I don't know where I got Blade from. Yeah, I started to like recognize like similarities between him and, and Chester a little bit. So you telling me yeah. that he's previously from a grungy band. Almost. I wonder if that was... I wonder if he drew hmm. inspiration from them. Maybe. I think there's definitely a lot of inspiration that can be found from those early 90s grunge bands. And I think it's hard to... It's very hard for us to forget. Like, Music moved, I think, a lot slower in the 90s because it took time for people to discover things before the internet. So if yeah. I was you know, a band that was kicking off in the early 90s, it might well take two years for that band to be known about by various different labels and then doing their live shows and then eventually coming coming to the the spotlight. Whereas nowadays, you know, a band releases an album on the other side of the globe within two hours. It could be on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook and being shared in TikTok songs and whatnot and the next you know, or SoundCloud as it, as it was at a time, and it's and it's within a week it's the next big thing. Um, a lot of a lot of very easy one hit wonders in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's it's different, a different time from in the mid night and early mid nineties for sure. Well, we I think even we had the concept that when we were in bands, you know, circa two thousand four onwards, you know, you did shows, you sold, see, you know, you 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 did an EP, you. you you, you burned a CD, you sold those CDs, and, you know, that was how you built your fan base. But, yeah, it's fucking not a story anymore, is it? You just release online, see what goes viral, and then boom. Yeah. The, I mean, the the way that I, I still... It's not clear to me how it they officially became to be known each other, Chester and um, the band that, that were Zero at the time. Um, it's something... There's a link between... I think it was Chester's attorney... He lived in Los Angeles and he knew Jeff Blue was into the music business. And he told Jeff that one of his clients was a talented vocalist currently in a band at the time. Uh, Chester had left. Who the fuck has an attorney? I know this This is the part of the story. <laughs> I just can't, can't fathom out. You probably had to be there. But Jeff eventually somehow sent a demo of Zero to Chester which he got on his 23rd birthday. And Chester, 
he saw promise in it and he recorded himself singing mark's vocals and he he really i think i think he sent it back to jeff and apparently jeff was just flawed he was like there we go we've found the sound and he literally said got chester to move from phoenix mm-hmm. to la to to be in this band and i think it's hard for for us to understand that living in the united kingdom this you know that this the size of this move um this, you know, the distances that were involved here because you know you you moved from livingston to, to edinburgh which is a 20 minute train journey <laughs> I've I've moved yeah. I've moved from the northeast of England to Edinburgh, which is an hour and a half on a train. These are you know, this is like a, a several hour flight um, to go and like upheave your life at twenty three as well. Take yeah. your life from from what from the middle of the states or not quite you know from the the mid uh, the midwest of the states right out to the to the west um, west coast to to chase a dream uh almost yeah the american dream like to do that so whether it's youtubers or podcasters or musicians you know like i've like that seems to be the the done thing like you know i am uh i don't know i'm balls deep in the uh the office right now like me and my partner we've we've rewatched the office hannah's watching it for the first time and like i'm listening to the office ladies podcast and like you you just the stories of of these guys trying to make it like a lot of them made their name on that show a lot of them were were, were unknowns beforehand and like you've got uh jenna fisher that came from fuck is it st louis to la you've got john krasinski that came from fucking somewhere (laughs) but a packed car can't remember the accent is it boston Boston yeah like I think he came from Boston to LA like it just seems to be like the done thing to make it in the US is to literally leave everything you've ever known and throw yourself into (laughs) stardom take a jump in at the deep end so the um then once he arrived in LA and Jeff set them up and he by this time he was no longer VP at Zomba he was now a VP at Warner Brothers Ooh, Billy so, Big Boss. So he agreed to take the job on the. He only agreed to take the job at Warner Brother on the basis that they would let him sign this band. What's this guy's name? Jeff Blue. Jeff Blue, and Release he the he. Blue cut. This is it. Release the blue, the blue cut. cut. Imagine, imagine the bands that this guy. I mean, if these are his successes, Limp Bizkit, Corn, Linkin Park, I want to know where his failures are or the ones that he wasn't able to get Warner Brothers or Zomba even to sign. Where are they now? That would there would be a really interesting rabbit hole. That's probably a story. Maybe we'll get Jeff Blue on the pod. I'd love to. I'd love to meet the man. Maybe we can get Jeff on. We can have a bit of a discussion with him. We'll be like, hey Jeff, how was it basically forging Lav and I through (laughs) the bands that you signed to massive labels? Very early decision that was made. As you may understand, the band name Zero, that got dropped. It was pretty shit. It, and they changed it to the well-known name Hybrid Theory. <laughs> that was the original band name. Well, the next band name, shall we say. The band, they named their band Hybrid Theory. The band was going to be named Hybrid Theory, but thanks to another band with a very similar name, Hybrid, a Welsh 
electronic band. Um, right. You don't want they, to cross ties with the Welsh electronic circuit. They, those guys are fucking wild. Nah, that shit rolls deep. You don't. You do not. You do not mess with that. So they they went through some of the ideas. Plea. I, I can't. P L E A R. Again, thank you for not ruining my childhood. Mm. And the Platinum Lotus Foundation. That was also ignored. Right. And they changed their name to Lincoln Park, but not quite the Lincoln Park you know. It was actually named after Lincoln, as in Abraham Lincoln, in Santa Monica. But, cast your mind back to 1999, they wanted that .com. Lincoln, the way we know it and love it today, LincolnPark.com was not owned. So, that's where the Lincoln comes from. Ah, so they're practically LinkedIn Park because they wanted the dot com. Pretty much. And that's, you know what, that, that makes perfect sense in 1999. You wanted the dot com. You wanted to yeah. put LinkedInPark.com on all of your material. Is LinkedIn Park uh, a URL? Can, can, can we maybe buy LinkedIn Park and promise bands like their wildest dreams and just not deliver. I mean, we won't take any money. We won't. We won't rob them. We're not. We won't be those guys that we've all came across. But uh, what I will say is, I've just typed in LinkedInPark.com in, and the secure connection is not available. So I'm uh, guessing they've not. <laughs> I don't think it's a real website. Um, but it didn't go to uh, a, a, like a registrar or anything. So maybe they, maybe there's a DNS that we're not going to get too technical on. We're this. not going into it. We're both nerds, but it's fine. Um, cool. So LinkedIn. So now we have Lincoln <laughs> park. We've yeah. gone through zero. We've actually had the name hybrid theory and now we're up to, to Lincoln park. That's pretty fascinating. I didn't. Know that. So they've, 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 they've finally settled on a name and, uh, this, this point it's 1999. And I think this is when they, the, the recording, kind of process could could really get underway with now all the pieces in place um so they recorded at nrg recording studios uh this was the same studio where follow the leader was recorded conspiracy of one by the offspring and um evanescence has fallen oh, was there uh, after recording production was handed over to uh, a gentleman named don gilmore He'd previously worked with bands like Lit, and he, I think he worked with Good Charlotte, and he later worked with Dashboard Confessional and uh, metalcore bands like, oh, I won't even call them metalcore, uh, some uh, emo, screamy bands, uh, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. Uh, a <laughs> a personal favourite of mine. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've mentioned Scary Kids, Scaring Kids before. Uh, it's a, oh, man. I wouldn't even the name call it. gave me an aneurysm, but it's cool. I was I was going to call them like some kind of uh, dirty secret that I love them, but that's no secret. I love them. I love right. them a bit. Hey man, there's no there's no judgment here. There's no guilty pleasure unless you bring up a really shit album that I hate, which is entirely possible because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. Um, so it got released finally. So it first got released in the US uh, October twenty fourth two thousand. Um, it didn't come over to the UK until January, uh, where in January 13th, 2001, it peaked at number four on the charts, on the UK album charts, which Shit. it's no small feat, you know. Um, no, number not at all. F- um, 
I mean, even even breaking top ten for a debut album, for, for a debut rock metal album, for yeah, for something that wasn't effectively pop at that stage. Or do we just say new metal? Do we just do we just stick with new metal? Because I think I've referred to them as rock a few times, but these are the these guys are like this was new metal. New... Yeah, they, they they defined new metal, didn't they? Every every element of this album is new metal. Yeah, hundred percent. Cool. Okay, so a new metal album punches into the UK top forty at number four, which you know I think is is pretty good. There's the Things were bubbling by this point in the in the scene, shall we say? Um, at that point, would have been early days, but I think the rock scene was growing exponentially by this point. And to go to number four is—we've already mentioned them, but like you know, by this point, um, Chocolate Starfish is about to come out. Follow the leaders already out. You know, like Corn the groundwork was there. The yeah, groundwork like, was definitely ready for this. Yeah, there's people were scatting and rapping all over riffs. Tom Cruise was flipping his hair and Limp Bizkit were about to fucking drop a really, really good cover of Mission Impossible. <laughs> That's a good one. Fucking love that song. I'm not going to deny, deny it. I fucking love that song. You got me on that. They they, they put out four singles from the album um, over the course of um, over the course of about six months or six to eight months. So One Step Closer, probably the first song that me and you heard from this album, I would say. The video getting played on repeat on your Kerrangs and MTV2s. I tell you what, I will still watch that album. I was sorry, I will still watch that video. Like, I probably have had my phases where I'm just like, oh, fucking, I'm so done with Kerrang. I don't, I don't give a fuck. But like, I would still like happily wait for those 40 something teenagers in that alleyway to go through <laughs> that door. And synchronized head banging. <laughs> Yup, and then there's the boys, and the smoke is blazing, and you know we've got some ninjas and face paint, and the tim tim chidim tim 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 like such a fusion. Yes. It is such a fusion that fuck that's, yes, I love all that shit. Uh, the next one was crawling that came out, uh, and so so one step closer got to number twenty four, and spent five weeks in the top one hundred. The next one that came out was crawling, that came to number 16 in the UK and spent eight weeks on the chart. Crawling as a song is probably their most radio-friendly. It is. It, it, it absolutely is, but I'm not going to dispute that. I would just, you know, in saying that it's radio-friendly, like, it's also... Like, while Chester doesn't necessarily scream, like, he has, like, his rasp... Like, it's a forced, he, it's a forced vocal. Yeah, yeah. Not, like he can have his clean, he can have that forced vocal, or he can have his scream, and like he is, he is forcing the 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 choruses of of crawling like heavily, like borderline screaming through them. But um, yeah, you're right. It probably is one of actually we say it's their most radio friendly. It's not in the end. It's not yet because they also released Papercut, and Papercut got to number fourteen. So a little bit of an improvement. But only spent seven weeks in the top one hundred chart. Oh no! Paper cuts actually. I, I like the video for that one. That's the one where you've got the like the the, the dragonfly flies flying around in a yeah. They're, they're in, in like room. a room. It's kind uh, of. Tool-ish, I thought that was a nice. Almost. Is it kind of toolish for like the yeah, sort of between the, 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 the things the, things are under skin and stuff. It's and the, I like yeah, that behind the wall and stuff and in the in the crawl space. And and it's something almost. I've I've heard other another. Um, 
uh, another artist mentioned is that track one of an album is an unofficial single because it's the one that everybody knows. Okay. So if you're ever, um, so that was said by uh, a gentleman called Jamie Lennon, uh, the vocalist for Ruben. And he would refer to ah. track one as this unofficial single. So paper, the fact that Paper Cut got a release as a single is really important. So it has that video. It has that connection. And yeah, I actually completely forgot that it was even a single until I've started researching this and realizing that, yeah, this this was a... And it's a great song because it, it, it really encompasses what's to come on the album. Like, yeah i think it's a really good opener i think it's a strong opener like i i, I always knew the paper cut video was there um like I, I didn't i don't think i forgot about it like i have a really clear memory of it i'm pretty sure chester's wearing like a black vest and tartan trousers not that i'm going to monitor people's fashion but like i don't know i just i just rem- like i think the rest of the band are just sitting on a couch doing fuck all while like mike and chester are like johan's giving it on the giving it on the turntables right okay so then the, the guys are doing their performance piece in front of everyone and and Mr. Hans doing some turning tables. But like, yeah, I, I remember it being a bit of a more, having a bit more of a horror element and yeah. And yeah, great, great song. But yeah, after you've listened to Paper Cut on the album, there's no surprises. You're not going to get thrown a curveball later on. It's like, oh, where did the DJ come from? Or, oh, where did, where did riffs come from? There's all the rapping. Every, that, that song is a, is a great encompasser of, of everything Linkin Park. Like if you, you know, you were saying in a thousand years time, if someone was to unearth who were Linkin Park, if they played Papercut, that would be the most complete way to demonstrate what they, they could be. It would be for hybrid theory. It wouldn't be for later. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to talk. We'll bring that up later um, about where, where the, the journey went for myself, but doesn't end beautifully for, for me unfortunately um that, that definitely breaks my heart a little bit but we'll get there we'll get there i'm ashamed of myself anyway <laughs> the last single to come out and arguably their most successful single it's not even arguably categorically their most successful single <laughs> by um by streams on off this album anyway was in the end which yeah. peaked at number eight and spent 24 weeks on the chart. Everyone, fucking, everyone and their granny's Doug knows In The End by Linkin Park. Even if you don't know it's Linkin Park, you know that piano riff, you know that hook, and I think most people probably know the words. Like, even, like, the rapping part, even Mike's uh, verses like like everyone knows in the end if you don't know if if you've been alive if you're a millennial or you've been alive throughout that period 2000 to now and you've never heard in the end well i fucking feel bad for you you lived in a box because in the end is yeah it was all over the place and (laughs) it was all over it was it was played on repeat on these the video channels scuzz and and karang and that not not even that because you 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 might not be someone who ever watched that stuff but like it was it was played in 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 bars and clubs and shit like that and if you ever maybe found yourself in a dingy fucking rock bar like surely it was it came on at some point as a bit of a ballady one like here you go to like 
you know, here's your chance if you're going to try and kiss that girl or boy, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it's in the end. Here's a slow dance. Like, yeah. Everyone. It's got a really nihilistic. I mean, the lyrics are dark as well. Like, if you, the, the lyrics are really, really dark, really nihilistic. Really? Yeah, I mean, in the end, it doesn't even matter. I tried hard and got so far, but it never mattered anyway. Well, it's very it's very defeatist. And true. I put my trust in you, pushed as far as I could go. There's only one thing you should know. But it's got I, that hook. It's got the hooks. It's got the hooks, and it's got the, it's a really well really beautifully uh beautiful lyrics and do you think and the delivery just to completely interrupt you chef's kiss do you you think it's um lincoln parks um i want it that way by the backstreet boys like just a completely nonsensical song but like you know it yeah uh, maybe i don't know why that came i don't know why backstreet boys came to my mind i know i know we're i know we're we're one of the metalheads but like I don't know why. I just, I just, Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Everyone knows that song. Everyone does know that song. I think there's a lot of, a lot of that on this album. It's very catchy, and I think it's one of the reasons that it became as as big as it did is because it is very accessible, yet very much taking all the elements of new metal that had been brewing at that time and putting them together into one place. That then created a moment that we we all ex- we mean Keith especially, but hopefully probably the people listening to this that we all experienced together that became, you know, the 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 fad or the the whatever you want to want to refer to it as. Yeah, that's, our, that's it was our our subculture. That was the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that's that's one thing for me with 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 this album as well is like, you know, what this this album came out in two thousand two thousand one. So two thousand I was fourteen. So boom, you're in high school, 14, 15, 15, you start, you start going to house parties, 16, oh, maybe you've had a little, a little bit out of the parents, you know, drinks cabinet and stuff like that. And you know, 17, blah, blah. So what I'm trying to say is like this, this album was absolutely on at house parties and it yeah. was on, you know, even like as you got a little bit older and you're maybe going out in cars or whatever, or like, you know, you I don't. You wouldn't have gone live, but if you went to the mini mission in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. you went to the mission, which was the rock club, but beforehand was the underage mini mission. So like you had this album, and in fact, fuck, this album played at the mission as well. So like that, yeah. If you grew up in the two thousands, this album was played somewhere. This album was played, and uh, I'm grateful for it yeah. because it's it's fucking great. And you know you're. When I say it's played, you know you're 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 singing along to it. You've you're 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 making friends from it. You're 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 singing along with people, or you're like you're banging your head to people, and then you know it starts a conversation, and you you're 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 meeting someone because of because of this album. Like it's we need to thank Jeff Blue a lot for for what we experienced, don't we? We really got to give Jeff. it to Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. If you're listening, Jeff, thank you. Thank you. I, I don't know how much you're still making it at royalties, but thanks, Jeff. <laughs> I mean. Royalties was Jeff's um, speciality. He's actually a producer. So he produces, not only does he work in A&R at the time, he also produced a couple of albums. Was, and he, the, um, was he the George Lucas of, of um, A&R, of royalties? Did he did he not want the, the, the lucrative box office? Did he want the merch? He wanted the, he, he want, he wanted the figurines. Um, yeah, well, he in 2002, he produced 
the soundtrack for the film Queen of the Damned. Oh my fuck! Uh, you the... look you, you look at that track list, and it is just a who's who of new metal and hard. You know, Wasn't just Jonathan heavy metal. Davis, at the, time. the vocalist for Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend was the actor. Stuart Townsend played the fucking vampire i forget his name now i know it's i know it's supposed to be a sequel from interview from the vampire and it was tom cruise's character but um the name escapes me um stuart townsend was the actor jonathan davis was the singing voice of 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 that character wasn't he was i, I can't remember was is it alicia's last movie as well before she passed away Aaliyah. Aaliyah, that was one i was going to say alicia yeah i think that was her. so Anyway, there's a funny, funny. There's a there's a there's a, there's a morbid story um, that uh, links back to uh, a local area near you from West Lothian. What? Um, what? W L H C. The West Lothian Massif from Faldhouse. So this young man. Okay. There was a young man called Alan Menzies. Uh, he was 22 years old. He reportedly watched the Queen of the Dam film over a hundred times and where's this going murdered murdered his 21 year old friend thomas mckendrick after claiming that the main character of that movie named akasha told him to do it shit i mean like that is terrifying the movie got was any... not that good is it is it good enough to watch a hundred times is it good enough to watch a hundred times and follow the instructions of a fictional character to go and kill someone. So Jesus, he got life in jail. He got caught. He got life in jail. Uh, he sadly took his own life in 2004, uh, serving a sentence. Uh, clearly, you know, some serious mental health issues there. If you find Queen of the Damned, one of those movies that you, you find yourself watching. So anyone out there who has... Or knows someone who has watched Queen of the Damned more than ninety nine times, please seek help. I mean, that's, that's that's great for the first episode of the podcast. <laughs> we're uh, we're talking about a poor bastard that fucking watched Queen of the Damned a hundred times, killed his mate, and then killed himself. That is that's fucked. That's, that's what fucked. happens. That is, that is some scary shit, and what does happen, and and that is a real life story. Yeah, it um, was. Uh, Aaliyah was Queen Akasha. Stuart Townsend was Lestat, and that is because it's all part of the Vampire Chronicles, written by Anne Rice, and that right. followed on from Interview from a Vampire, and Lestat was Tom Cruise's character. Um, Goodness, yeah, but they couldn't get Tom Cruise back in. I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe not. But that was like <laughs> that was like new metal. The movie Queen of the Damned. Do you know what I mean? Like it was. I mean, I can just Google it, but. Um, Jonathan Davis was a vocalist. I think maybe Chester was supposed to be the backing vocalist, so they could like layer their vocals. And I'm sure Chester okay. features a bit more as well than, and, and not just Jonathan. But Jonathan was the, I think, was the sort of music creator on the, or, or sort of director, visionary for the, for the the, the Lestat sort of band that is formed yeah. in that movie. But. Um, Fuck if if we're ever going to do anything, we should be, we, you know we might have to revisit the Queen of the Dam soundtrack. We might have to. That would be quite quite the event. Um, I mean, my my personal experience um, 
from I've, I don't think I've ever seen Queen of the Damned movie, but I knew it, knew of its existence, and it was that epitome of early two thousands. Um, if you ever see the poster for it, it's definitely got all the vibes of that sort of cheesy. Something's something's a little bit fucky with this art. This this uh, songs. This movie. Songs by Jonathan Davis and Richard Gibbs, performed by Wayne Static of Static X, David oh, Dreamin yeah, of Disturbed, sense. Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, Marilyn Manson, Duke, Jay Gordon of RJ, and music by Papa Roach, fucking Deftones, Disturbed, <laughs> Static X, Earshot Godhead, Kidney Thieves, Tricky and Tricky. Are you reading are you reading the are you reading the track listing of the Queen of the Damned album or reading... a coffee table book about new metal? <laughs> Great question. What am I reading? You, what do you get? What do you think? What do you think? Is that, is that Queen of the Damned or is that a how-to of new metal? Answers it's the Wikipedia Oscar. article. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's Queen of the Damned, the yeah, music cool. pi- motion picture. That's the CD cover. I don't know who anything, anyone after Static X is. Earshot, Godhead, kid, Kidney Thieves. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough Wikipedia. Um, I think we need to talk about our personal personal sure. twists on these things so tell me keith do you remember buying hybrid theory on compact disc yes yes i do and i think i bought it at the same time as i bought papa roach invest fantastic fantastic i think, I, think I did a double whammy for anyone who's ever been in livingston west Lothian, in scotland it is a shopping centre. It is it is a, it is a town with surrounding sort of housing areas. A shopping centre, <laughs> you know, suburbs. You've you've got your little you've got your little sort of villages around it, and then you've got a fucking whack of a shopping centre in the middle of it. Now this is two thousand. This is two thousand and one. So clearly not the beast it is today. Why the fuck are we talking about shopping centres in Livingston? Anyway. Yeah, I went down to Livingston Shopping Centre. There was an MVC. Wow. There's, and a, bl- there's a blast from the past. The <laughs> other thing I remember buying from MVC was Jurassic World, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, Brilliant. on VHS the day it came out. Like, I saw in a magazine the day it came out. And I was like, Mom, <laughs> we need to go to M- we need to go to the centre so I can buy Jurassic Park, The Lost World. And we did. Thanks, Mom. Um, Hero. But, yeah, Mom's think- heroes. I think it was I think it was NBC, and I remember buying both of them, uh, both of them, and yeah, that was that was me. I was just like buying my Bernie Blades jeans and getting my my chain from my pocket, and like the t-shirts were coming in, and then the long sleeves were coming in under the t-shirts because I was a fucking skinny skinny kid, um, never looked. I back. I got mine from a, a more reputable. CD provider called HMV. Fuck um, off, reputable. But at the same time, by right, what? By by cost standard, clearly, because if you pay more for it, it must be better quality. My mm. my my everlasting memory was so being from the northeast, I bought everything from the Metro Centre, which is effectively just Livy Centre, just you know built as a shopping centre, not as a town centre. I'm gonna. I'm a little bit dead inside that we've mentioned Libby Shopping Centre way too much already. In this okay, podcast. well, moving it's, on, moving on. Probably going to come back again, but <laughs> for anyone from Livingston, you fucking know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, God well, it's, it's 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 still there at least to to reminisce about. But I got mine from HMV in the Metro Centre. I went in 
to HMV with the purpose of buying Limp Biscuits, chocolate starfish, and hot dog flavored water. Mm-hmm. That 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 had come out around the same time as Hybrid Theory. I've discovered, but I went in to get that, and while I was waiting in the queue, I saw this album on a on a stand. It was marked as like just released, just out, or new, or whatever they wanted. I, I don't know what it was actually. It said on it, but it was on its own area. It had its own sort of display, and I just saw it. Looked at the back of it and I was like, fuck, I want to get this. And then in my left hand was a thing I came in for. And in my right hand was a thing that I had never heard of. But I've got it and it looks cool. I opted for the Limp Biscuit, Went home. Because, I mean, what, an album from HMV then cost about £15 or so. At least. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a significant amount and it was probably something for another... Something that's going to come up in a lot of these episodes is how much we used to pay for music. It's probably how much I'm paying today for vinyls. I was paying for CDs 20 years ago. Probably. And that's not even a HMV import. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. I've got an import story. But the importantly, I had two albums and I had probably maybe between 15 and 20 pounds in my pocket from like four weeks pocket money. Didn't have a job. Living off the the scraps that your parents are prepared to give you and you could only pick one and I had to get home so I had to buy a bus ticket as well so I went with Limp Bizkit I wanted Limp Bizkit and you know went and got what I wanted and it wasn't until with within the next week or so I saw the video for One Step Closer were you kicking yourself not at all I had Limp Bizkit's hot dog Flavored water in my hand. Wow, I was happy. I had an album with like track two had more fucks on it than anything. I could not be happier as a 14 20, year old. 20, 26 fucks. And this fucked up rhyme. <laughs> so I had that. I wasn't complaining. But within four weeks later, I'd saved up enough money to get on the bus to go to the shopping center to then pick up Hybrid Theory and. I bought it because I knew I needed it and I'm so fucking glad I did. So so here it is. Here's 15-year-old Lav and he's in the queue in, in a reputable HMV and he's, he's got he's got chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavoured water in one hand yep. and he's looking at hybrid theory. Now you've not seen One Step Closer to the... You've not seen One Step Closer video yet, have you? Not, not to my, not to my recollection. I, I seen the you, album existing before the song was released. Why are you standing there saying I need this album? What, what was it about that album that you I know the, with the back, with the soldier, and the wings, and the the whatever? Like you knew Limp Biscuit. Why, why, why did you nearly put that down for Hybrid Theory? Look at the back of Hybrid Theory, and you've got five dudes with fucking. Various colours of hair. Chester's got his hands, arms crossed over. or No, he's got them around the back of his neck, sorry. And he's got these flame tattoos coming from his wrists. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. <laughs> that's, that's, that's something right. I want to... Do, do you see it? I'm looking, at, I'm looking at it now. It's that reverse of it. So the reverse of that. And you look through the track listing and 
I think none of the track names stand out as anything too egregious. Nothing, nothing really like shouting out that this is a super heavy album or anything. I kind of forgot that anime logo they had. Do you remember like the sort of the Linkin Park kind of Japanese neon esque anime? I had it on a t-shirt, and it's on the back of the the album cover. But yeah, that was that was something. So so yeah, that's that. My introduction was the the, the viewing of this this album, and it, yeah, because I knew what I was getting with them. Biscuit, you know, I'd heard mm-hmm. songs like My Generation, and probably Rolling by that point had come out, so I knew what I was getting. You know, I was getting. I went for an album, and I got that album. But this one caught my eye for all the right reasons, and the design choices that were made. I, I couldn't be more. I, I can praise the guys in Linkenbog, whoever the, whoever the art director that they had, clearly did a very good job because he had it. He had it nailed. But it, you know, he was against Limp Bizkit, and Limp Bizkit were a fairly established band by this point. Yeah. Um, got home. And did the thing that every 15-year-old does, or did, I hope. I recorded it to a mini-disc. <laughs> Put that on my mini-disc, and that was me with music I could travel with. I could take, I would generally have, because I had cargo cargo trousers on. I had about four pockets. Mini-disc player in one. How many about chains? Four, How many at chains? least two. At least two to the minimum. wallet, or just like in, in the pot, like you know, on the belt loops. I think I had one for display purposes, and I had one for my wallet. The one for my wallet right. was a bike chain, like one of those bike chain ones. Yeah, a little bit short. It was a bike chain, sure. But yeah, then the what the one that went just for display purposes only was definitely just like a dog chain from yeah. a, from a pet shop. Got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was there. I feel you. Studded, you know, then studded belts and everything. So I was ready for the the emo changeover. I was already kind of priming myself. Um, and yeah, so that's me on a, on a school bus every morning in at lunch times with my Sony mini disc player. And it was an orange yellowy thing. I'd done all the track names and everything, got all it done, done profesh. And yeah, it was, that was me, my, my music listening for the next who knows? Uh, it's hard. It's impossible to say how how long it lasted, um, but yeah. it's still something that you know you could could listen to on and on. And it's you know possibly been had if you had the music tracks on before you left for school that morning, you might have heard probably seen crawling. Very likely have seen in the end before you'd gone out that morning, and that would be the song in your head. It's like right, I need to get this in, and I want to listen to it properly. And then you'd pick up some of the other songs from the album as well, which. I think the ones they released were great, but there are some songs in this album that really hold up. And we were just discussing that, weren't we, before we started this? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm just I'm just mesmerized by this photo of the guys on the back of the album. How many people got flame wrist tattoos because of Chester Bennington? <laughs> I I will I openly admit I got my lip pierced, I got my center piercing done because of Chester Bennington. Hundred percent. Wow. 100%. He is absolutely got my lip pierced because of the guy. Because I'm like, it's fucking cool. I want to be that guy. But Jesus Christ, they're just skinny kids in the fucking back of this. Sorry, I'm I'm fascinated with skinny kids because I used to be a skinny kid and now I'm not skinny anymore. But um, 
Yeah, the the songs they yeah. didn't release. Totally, we we were talking about this before we kicked off. So what they released? Paper cut. One step closer. Points of authority. Crawling. And in my in the end, no, they didn't release points of authority, did they? That it, came on points of authority came out with reanimation. Yeah, right. So that's the one with it. So what is that? That leave? was the next. That came out about a year later. Yeah. So that leaves with you points of authority. Run away by myself. A place for my head. Forgotten. Yeah. Cure the itch and pushing me away. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Sort of re-listening to the album and trying to take some notes and 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 sort of inspiration for for stuff. To what the fuck are we going to talk about on this podcast? Um. If if I maybe had a criticism. You know, it is. The the the, the album is very like A B. AC sort of sort of progression like you've they've got their parts you know they've got a little bit of an intro you've either got a rap or a singing chorus you've then got a rap or a singing verse and then vice versa and rinse repeat I don't give a fuck about any of that like it's all pretty much gold as far as I'm concerned like with you as a beast in start like it's it kicks off pretty pretty heavy I think points of authority we know it got released later on in reanimation so i don't know if that's one they sort of missed releasing this but like points of authority is is like pretty bouncy happy not happy what am i talking about like just pretty balls out jumpy um yeah there's every almost every song in this album i would say like has its appeal obviously the album wouldn't be good if the rest of the song sucked but like they all stand by themselves, if you know if you know what I mean. Interestingly, I'd say the three. Uh, we'll, we'll take "Cure for the Itch" out of this out of the equation entirely because that yeah. to me that's just a segue song. To me, the the three weakest ones, interestingly, all have writing credits with the original vocalist of Mark Wakefield. So, "Runaway," "Place on My Head," and "Forgotten" have all got him credited as a writer. I really like "A Place for My Head." It's it's okay. I, I'm I'm not. Again, it's nothing to nothing to write home about, but it's 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 fine. I think my probably out of the ones that they didn't release, I think my favorite is probably going to be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's got a really really dun, 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 like you know looking at what I listened to later later down the line, listening to the likes of Norma Jean and the Chariot. There's the the basics of that that sort of discordant sound were being laid in this very very accessible way, and mm-hmm. it was clear to see. And, and it's actually only recently that I've been able to see that sort of connect that dot. That I had been listening to music with those sounds already, and it wasn't. And then obviously much you know down the line, we're talking seven years down the line. You see, you hear finally hear something like Norma Jean really use that to great effect in their sound and you're like oh great so it it can you can i can trace a lot back to lincoln park and by that point i think in my my journey i'd listened to quite a bit of um electronic so uh british electronic artist apex twin he's his music is is very influential on me and having that (laughs) sound brought into this rock metal world was really something with with the dj and and those same those sort of electronic noise samples being used 
in a in a very forward way. I don't think it's in the so Slipknot had a DJ, but I could play you a Slipknot song with no DJ, and you probably wouldn't even notice he was there. Sometimes Incubus had a DJ. Incubus had a DJ. Deftones have a DJ. Uh, DJ Lethal. <laughs> Limbiscuit had a DJ. Limbiscuit had a DJ. Fucking hell. Yeah, like these were these were obviously bands of this time though. Um, you could, so you you could take. I, I feel like some of these you could reduce these in the mix so much to the point where they were just there, just a token DJ, just to get in with the new metal crowd. Um, which we could say effectively a lot of bands probably did. Sick burn. I I feel that Lincoln Park really had a balance of the different genres, the hip-hop with Mike Shinoda, the DJing from Mr. Han, and then the clear rock singing from from Chester really added to this wonderful mix. That's, in, in that's actually songs. one thing for me that sort of stood out in listening to the 20th anniversary is I always, I always thought Mike was a bit... Too, sort of, he sort of played the role of MC a bit too much in Lincoln Park because I didn't necessarily appreciate the rap elements of Lincoln Park. If, if that's maybe fair to say, I don't want to undersell them. They're make sure is a massive part of of Lincoln Park um, and, and how they sound in, in the songs that they've produced. But to me, like they weren't a rap band. They weren't even really a rap metal band. You know, they were they were Lincoln Park. They were they were a new metal band and there was rap elements to to this because Mike also would sing or or would would have especially later on I suppose so maybe with with with, with hybrid theory specifically there there are way more rap elements to it hip hop elements to it and then listening to that twentieth anniversary there is so much more rap or hip hop like on the 20th anniversary and so maybe i just didn't appreciate the guy's background or really appreciate like where he was coming from i can't Instant- remember where i read it it interestingly i can't remember where i read it but apparently it was chester that ended up having to keep mike in the band so at one point during the the early formation i think there was talk from a producer i can't remember i read this in an interview I don't think it's on the Wikipedia page, but that that there was a point where there was a consideration that Mike didn't belong in the band, um, maybe not as a as a performer at least, and it was Chester that actually said no, he he needs to stay in. He's you know he he adds to the the dynamic of the band. Yeah, totally totally does. And it's it's absolutely one of those like I'm imagine a world where this never happened. Imagine the world where Mike Shinoda did not stay with Lincoln Park. And this this album only got released with with only someone like Chester singing on it. I yeah. don't think it would it wouldn't stand up today. I don't think we'd be talking about it today if that happened. Don't get me wrong, I will forever love Chester Bennington. I, th- I think his vocals are incredible. Mm. But if you're talking about what makes a band, there is a trade off between Chester and Mike, and it works super well. And you know, there's there's a back and forth, there's an answering call, and I think they support each other really well. And maybe I'm just incapable of an imagining Linkin Park hybrid theory without Mike Shinoda, but absolutely, I, I, the right call was made and to keep him um, 
was 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 totally for it. But um, totally. you were you were totally hitting on points about like there's elements in this in this album that you saw yourself listening to later bands with like Chariot and Norma Jean and, and, and whoever. So like one of the songs you said could probably be forgotten for you is a place in my head. A place in my head has a beatdown at the end. It does, and there's you know these these songs do lend themselves to having these heavy moments. Um, it's probably my first. This was probably the first rock heavy metal album, heavy metal metal album that I bought. And as you're saying it, I am now sort of listening back and sort of thinking, "Fuck, this was probably the first time I sort of listened to a beatdown. This is probably the first time I appreciated a beatdown. It's not what became metalcore or." fucking whatever genre we were up to for like beatdowns to be a thing but like yeah it's I would put my hand up and say that's a beatdown and that was Linkin Park in 2000 yeah yeah totally I think there's a they are um, some brilliant moments some brilliant songwriting moments on this album that I think are going to mean it does stand the test of time mm-hmm. I think you, you you know you you asked a question uh, to me about how how will this stand up with the other giants? Um, yeah, I think the numbers speak for itself. Um, in 2020, Hybrid Theory is or was the 47th highest selling album worldwide ever. It is only one of five albums released in the 2000s to feature on that top 50 list. Jesus. Jings. So you look at how you know how many Aussie albums are on that Zilch. How many Slayer albums are on that Zilch. There are several Pink Floyd albums on there, don't get me wrong. Uh Pink Floyd are one of the biggest selling bands of all time. Um but Linkin Park absolutely outsell the majority of any band released after 2000 i think the of of that five two of those albums were adele albums you know <laughs> so yeah. it's no. it's it's really 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 important to see how how much they they really have had that sort of impact and i th- would say they they will be in another 20 years this will be one of those albums that is one of those top 100 albums you must own yeah, no, that's quite easy. That's incredible. I mean, I, I asked you that question off air. We didn't we didn't cover it on the pod, but like, yeah, I, I sort of sent you a few sort of background questions, and like, yeah, m- my question was like, you know, how how do we reckon like comparing Lincoln Park, little little Lincoln Park, little new metal boys Lincoln Park that have just that have just done their nice wee songs that get played on the radio and and, and whatever to people like Slayer and Ozzy or Metallica or you know your 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 Pink Floyds or, or or your whoever like you know your I suppose the the people you grew up listening to from your your parents or whoever like this is the point we're now at where like Hybrid Theory's been around for twenty years like there are kids getting into music now or you know that are getting into their scene that are playing music that are stuff like that 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 maybe grew up with with Hybrid Theory their entire life and whereas for us it was a game changer for them it's been the the standard so. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like in 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 another twenty years, where is where is hybrid theory going to be? And I won't be surprised if it's if it's still up there like it is just now because 
I hope so. I think I what my what I can hope for, I think um, you know, what would make someone pick this album up today is if some young artist what would probably be referred to five years ago as a SoundCloud rapper, what could today be looked at as, as one of these emo rap sort of artists is if they were to sample something from hybrid theory, I think it would send it absolutely stratospheric. Just if they managed to find some way of bringing one of these songs, even one of the B sides, one of the songs that never got released, bringing that into the 21st century or into the 2020s with a, with a sample with a remix, with some sort of involvement, you've got Mike who is still very active on social media. Um, you know, this they're a very um, open band. Still, I don't think that while well, they're not posting about tours or anything, but they're, they're certainly still interacting with fans mm. through the modern the modern means, um, which you know you can take right the way back to having a dot com. It, it was. You know they've they've stayed relevant with their fans, and I feel like if they could get someone of a modern era sound to take theirs and bring it up to speed, I could see it doing really really well and almost being ready ready for that. And that's that's really what it's going to take to get someone in there. You know, between the ages of of twelve and. 18 to listen to this is for, for one of those artists, one of these TikTok artists, I suppose, as well, show my age, <laughs> to actually take it on. Yeah, interesting point. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've heard many sort of bands that, you know, I, I don't hear many people sort of, I mean, you get the odd stupid fucking remix or cover or whatever, but like, you don't, you know, of, of like whatever System for Down or um, etc. But the um, you don't hear many people sort of like covering this sort of stuff or even sampling this sort of, sort of stuff or or referring to it. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see where we are in another twenty years. Is is hybrid theory still still relevant? Like our, I mean, I don't. It's lasted twenty years for me this far. I don't think in another twenty years when my kid is like, you know, my, you know, my kid's going to hear this. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> let my kid like sort of grow up to Lincoln Park and, and hear that sort of shit. So it'll be interesting to see. What what sort of position the album's in then? Better hope there's still a Spotify by then. <laughs> totally. Well, there better be because I've given them a lot of money. But um, <laughs> fuck me, we've been talking shit for a while. So yeah, where do we? How do we want to wrap this up? You know, episode number one. Episode one. Thank. Uh, well, final thoughts on on the album. Really, just the. Uh, I, this is this is one of those seminal points in my life where I can say. This is when I I've got my you know dip my toe into finding my own music to listen to, and it is from listening to this album that then took me down the dark and satanic path that I still walk today. Um, um, this this was this was the gateway I, as 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 you referred to it the gateway drug to everything that that comes afterwards. Yeah. Um, there was there was a there's a point where in my life I've reflected before it, but this this was a clear line in the sand of of the beginning, and I think that's one of the reasons I think it was a great album to start our podcast with, 
is to really start from our beginning. Nah, totally, man, hundred percent. Like even to the point where you were, you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned Slipknot earlier, and that um, Iowa came out at a very similar time. And you know, my my sort of journey through or into metal is is probably conventional. I'm not going to say I was like edgy or anything, but like I remember, I just remember at the time, like I didn't I didn't like Slipknot when they first came out wholeheartedly. I just I just saw I heard Slipknot, like I heard Wait and Bleed. I saw the masks, I saw the jumpsuits, and I was like, who the fuck are these idiots? You know, you know, and I, I, I liked my Lincoln Park, I liked my 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 Papa Roach, I liked my um my corn and, and Limp Biscuit and stuff like that. I thought I thought Slipknot were fucking nobodies. Clearly what the fuck did I know because I fucking love them to this day. But like Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent like Lincoln Park maybe was was a safe place for me to go to start, but like it was the start and like from that point on like you know i got my lip pierced it was probably the point where i was just like i fucking want tattoos like i want to learn an instrument like i picked up bass well no i picked up a bass because of raging against the machine but like you know this is this this is where i started off and 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 absolutely man i'm i'm so glad we've we've started whatever this is going to be with with hybrid theory because it's it's a fucking banger and and it always will be like i come in and out of linkin park throughout my year you know like i mentioned earlier i I listen to a lot of like their later stuff that i think is you said your relationship with lincoln park didn't end well no it's not i think that was probably a bit bit hyperbolic it was it's very much an album i I, hybrid theory reanimation that that was it for me for lincoln park by that point i moved on and moved away from yeah this that i mean i knew there was I think there was one song from Meteora that I liked. Faint. I really liked Faint. But I never bought the album. By this point, by 2002 or 2003, whenever the next albums came out, I'd moved into very different music by that point. I'd heard bands like Slipknot and Killswitch and things that had moved me in a different direction. And Linkin Park, for for better or for worse, they got left behind. Um, And I... I don't regret it. I don't, there's, there's no regrets in this. They, they absolutely have their place and hybrid theory will always have a place in my heart for that. Um, but as a band, I, I walked away from them. Um, it wasn't until the, really it wasn't until the, the tragic, you know, passing of Chester, um, that really it, it probably hit home that I should maybe give this band a, um, uh, you know, the, give them the time that they deserve given how, how much they they meant to me um and you know chester's passing it was absolutely one of those things that highlighted um male mental illness um or mental health issues that need to be addressed you know if anyone's out there that's listening to this uh being told things like man up is not a helpful thing ever yeah, uh, if you need to talk to someone, if you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. Nah, great call, um, totally. Never, never bottle it up. Um, and the passing of someone like Chester, who always came off as a happy and, or came across at least in the in the world that he seemed like he was going to be in a good place, he was not. And you know, it should never should never come to that. But uh, I think we can wrap things up. So next time. 
Keith is going to be doing the homework. Yep, we're going to on do an album. We're going to take, we're going to do um, we're taking turns of this. It's going to be a, a podcast a week, and you've done Lincoln Park, and so if we're starting off with our origins, if we're uh, if we're um, if, if if we're yeah if we're, if we're kicking off from there, you should already know who I'm going to do because I've already mentioned them. Tell our tell our listeners. We're gonna do Infest by Papa Roach. Not only was this one of my first metal albums that I listened to, this was the, also my first gig. The first gig I ever went to was was Papa Roach at the Barrowlands. Don't ask me who supported. I can't fucking remember. I think I was fifteen. I was like so hyped up on adrenaline. I'm gonna say it without looking. I had a f- if I can. Was it saliva? Don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. You. I just have a there's a there's a part of me that wants to say saliva. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Anyway, I'll Google. Um, I yeah. Well, you're gonna have to tune in next time to find out. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Alive or Just Blathering. Do we have a head on over to? Uh, yeah, I'm going for it, man. Great. Head on over to the Instagram and Twitter at AOGB Podcast for all the latest updates. Next time, if there's going to be on a, if, if there will be a next time. Next time on Alive or Just Blathering. Keith will be talking to us about Infest by Papa Roach. Fuck yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Good night.